Welcome to the Art of Community podcast. My name is Ben Cotton, and this is my lovely wife, Heather. Hello. And this is the second time we've started this podcast because I forgot to hit the record button just a minute ago. <laughs> She's super annoyed with me. Hopefully the annoyance won't come through in the rest of the episode. Well, it's just because before we started this episode, we talked for about 10 minutes about how I didn't <laughs> want to ever have to re-record an episode because it just seems like a waste of time. And then this and then that's what I did. Yeah. I told him he did it on purpose because self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah something <laughs> so this is episode three we are exploring the joys and pains of meaningful life together in this podcast and this episode is about uh common myths or i guess you could say myths that we have personally witnessed or experienced myths having to do with starting or building or initiating community with other people trying to start friendships the problems of kindergarten go <laughs> on and on of how do you walk across the playground and and say, do you want to be my friend? <laughs> it's harder. We It's always hard. It's hard in kindergarten. It's hard when you're an adult. And so we want to kind of tackle some of those things and help you break through some of those wrong ways of thinking about community. So welcome to episode three. All right, so once again, yeah. Heather, myth number one. What were I you going to say? You did a better job with that intro than the last Except one. Except I practiced. Yeah. The other one was like really awkward. Yeah. Okay. All right, so myth number one is common interests make the best friendships. Why is that a myth? Um, that is a myth because um, a lot of times common interests are a good place to start with community. Um, and it's, so it's not necessarily wrong, but uh, the downside of it or the reason that it can be a myth that that's the only way or the best way to make friendships is that um, then you're kind of like putting yourself in a corner of only really being able to make friends or being community with people that are, that are like you as least, at least in their interests or even in their like stage of life. And that can, there, there have been people, at least in our experience, where they're sure they're in the same stage of life or they're in the same, they have the same interests, but then our relationship doesn't go any further beyond that because there's nothing that's like challenging us to be different or better or um, consider other things. It's like all we really have to talk about is that common interest or um, that stage of life that we're in. And there's nothing much beyond that. So um, if you're only looking at people that are in the same stage of life, people that are same age or demographic or um, same interests, then a lot of times you're narr very much narrowing your focus. And it can, I think it can be a bottleneck. Mm -hmm. Yeah. In my observation, this really seems to plague younger people pretty hardcore, especially with the age thing, because they sort of think, well, like if there's nobody my age that I see like around me in this community, then there's not a place for me. There's not like a way for me to connect with some other people because I don't have that in common. And I think a lot, maybe a lot of that has to do with like when you're growing up, you're all your friends are your age 
usually because of the way our school system is set up and everything else. So, and then you get out into the world in your, in your early twenties and you want to join a church or whatever. And you look around and you go, well, there's nothing but like 30 year olds here and they're all married. They have kids. Like, how am I going to have real friendships? And I just think that's a complete, it's a myth that that's has to be true. And it ends up causing you lots of heartache because you can only fit into certain groups and that you end up losing the benefit of people that aren't like you don't have this, everything in common with you actually challenge you in ways that you wouldn't be challenged otherwise. Yeah. And there's also sometimes where like, if you're in a, a group, for instance, that's, that's, you know, around a common interest, if it's an established group, if it's something that has been going for a while, whether it be a sport or a group in church or whatever it might be, um, there's established relationships there. And sometimes those are harder to break into. They shouldn't be, but sometimes mm-hmm. they are. And so if you're, if you are kind of cornering the market <laughs> of that special interest or that demographic, then you can actually set yourself up for feeling rejected because there's an, there's these established relationships. And if you're like, well, this is my only avenue of having relationships or community, then you're not, um, then you're kind of selling yourself short because you're not looking around to see who else is around that you could have a relationship with. Yeah. So like some, a lot, most of our, and this, this will be a theme. It's kind of what's inspired this episode is that, most of our really good friendships in our life that have lasted the longest and been the richest and deepest are with people that we don't have a whole lot in common, like on the surface, but we've kind of pressed through those, that lack of commonality into a deeper relationship. And now it's, it's richer for it because there is diversity in it. So myth number two is that your first impression of people is accurate. Yeah. And I mean, I think that's a pretty obvious myth, but I think we do it more than we would care to admit um, where we take somebody at first impression and we say, no, I can't see ever being a friend with that person or um, that person's personality would really rub me the wrong way or, um, or I think they would really get on my nerves or they're too quiet or Mm -hmm. any of those things that um, we kind of could see at first impression. Um, And like keeping in mind that we also don't always make the first greatest first impression um, is important. You know, it's like sometimes you're just having a bad day or a bad week or um, you don't realize how people take you. Like when you first, um, people might take you as confident or as insecure or, and you don't know exactly how you're coming across. And so if somebody judges you in that moment, um, they're kind of putting you, putting you in a quick box. Yeah. I think actually, as I've thought about this, some of the, the coolest people that I know, like, I don't mean cool as in like smooth, cool, but I mean like the most interesting like some of my favorite people actually tend to always make a bad first impression because they're quirky or they're super smart. Like really smart people tend to not make great first impressions um, or they're introverted. And so they're actually really deep people 
but you wouldn't know that from their first impression. It takes a long time. Like, like people that are really quirky and interesting and unique and are really free to be themselves quite often don't make a great first, first impression, but which means if you're judging people by like that first meeting, that first few minutes together or a few hours together, then you're actually missing out on some of the coolest relationships you could have and the most interesting people. Um, Cause the most interesting people take time and effort, I think to get, get to know. So myth number three is that if they want to hang out, hang out, they'll ask. Yeah. I definitely think this is one that people get hit with a lot. Um, and it really sets people up for rejection that doesn't need to be there. Um, we we really saw it a lot during COVID and, and you know, our dealings with the church where it would be like, well, nobody uh, cares about me or nobody wants to hang out with me. And it's like the obvious question is, well, who have you talked to and who mm -hmm. have you reached out to? Well, nobody, but and there's a reason, you know, and it's like, well, if everybody's sitting around saying that, then nobody's reaching out. And, um, and especially in the South, people are really bad for saying like, um, well, I know that they're, they're too busy or they, I just don't want to be a bother or I don't right. want to, um, encroach on their time with their family and that, that kind of thing. And meanwhile, the person that you're sitting there thinking about, um, is, is lonely is right. sitting there, you know, wishing somebody would pick up the phone and call them. Mm -hmm. So yeah, myth number five is like almost the same, which is making friends. No, excuse me. Um, is myth number four? I got the numbers wrong. No one wants to be my friend. I'm just being a bother. Yeah. And so I think there's almost the same thing. Just that one is really more confident and one's more insecure. But it's just this idea that if like to actually speak up and say, "Hey, do you want to hang out?" or you know, "Do you want to be my friend?" like in kindergarten, but just that basic idea that that you're saying, well, they, they don't want to either because you don't think much of yourself. And so you think no one's going to want to be my friend or you're thinking like I'm imposing, I'm annoying. And maybe you've gotten, maybe you've had somebody like say that to you before or treat you really badly. And it's an expression of that, but whatever that is, it's like this, this idea of like, just walking over to somebody or calling somebody on the phone or sending them a text message and saying, Hey, do you want to meet for lunch or whatever causes serious anxiety for a lot of people yeah. over this thing. And what ends up the result of that is that they sit feeling lonely. And then like we, Heather and I joke all the time about like people will tell her, somebody will tell her, tell her like, Hey, I just wish somebody would call me and I feel really disconnected. And then almost at the same time, I'll have somebody tell me, hey, I just wish somebody would call me. I feel really disconnected. And if those two people would just pick up the phone and call each other, it would, they'd be probably great friends. And it's really, I think it's a trick of the devil. Yeah. Um, not well, and I to, think too to that, tell us that that's not true. Yeah. And I think too, like we're talking about on an individual level, but I think too that there's a place where, um, like people might see a group already established and say, well, they wouldn't want me to be a part of that group. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, that's true. Or they wouldn't, or there wouldn't be a place for me or it's already established. 
And being willing to ask, I think part of it is that you have to be willing to take the risk because there are going to be, I mean, I have experienced certain groups that I I wanted to be a part of because I saw what they had and it looked really cool. And then to approach that and feel like there's really not much space for you here. Like you start feeling that mm-hmm. or it's going to be really hard to break into this. Um, the hard part about that is getting over and we're going to talk this, about this in future episodes, but like the hard part about that is like getting over that hurdle of saying, okay, well, that's not the group for me. So you kind of see it as like a, almost like a fact finding <laughs> mission. Right. I think, especially when you're really first wanting to establish relationships and establish community is to say, um, is this the group? Okay, no. And you don't take that as a rejection of you, but maybe those people are not in a, a stage of life. Maybe those people don't need other people maybe. And, or, or any other huge amount of reasons. And it's not necessarily directed at you. Right. Um, so being willing to say, I'm going to just kind of pick myself up and go to the, the next thing or the next person or the next group and see if I fit in that. Um, which I think that's, that's where people either are too scared to get to that point because they don't want to feel rejected or once they have been, they're not willing to, to go past it. Right. See, I think that takes that move right there of kind of kicking the tires of one like group of people and finding that you don't fit or it doesn't quite work for whatever reason, which may actually, when I say it doesn't work, that may look like the way that looks like in reality might be just like them not calling you or something calling you back or, or something like that happening where you have this point where you have to choose how you're going to take, are you just, are you going to say, do what I think is the immature thing, which is to take it as this personal rejection of you. And then it shuts you down and you don't do it. You don't ask anybody again for like five, 10 years, or you say, okay, well it just didn't work. It wasn't a fit. And maybe they didn't handle it super maturely. But all it amounts to is it wasn't a fit and you kind of move on to the next option and you keep searching and praying and seeking and making those invitations. And eventually what you find is a connection. But I mean, I think it just takes it takes time. Well, yeah. And I think I think there's a couple of things with that, which is, first of all, kind of what we what we said, we were we were kind of approaching it from a negative perspective. But what we said about first impressions like don't always take somebody at first impression. We're talk. We were kind of like coming at the approach of somebody being, um, like annoying or, or quirky or whatever, you know. But um, that's also true for people that might seem really cool or really together or whatever. It's right. like there's sometimes there's more going on there than than you really know. And so like being willing to say, um, I'm gonna take this like not as a me thing as, as a them thing. Right. And also realizing there's a lot of people and it, you know, whether it be in, like I said, like in a church or in your, in this, a school or a group of, a, a group of like moms or um, whatever other kind of group you might be in. Um, there's more people than just a couple normally right. <laughs> like that you have to choose from. And so you, um, just kind of figure out where you're where you click. And I mean, 
sometimes that means you getting over your own preconceived ideas of who those other people are, which that's the hard thing. Right. Yeah. It, I, th- I think this really touches on like a lot of people's like real lived experience of getting hurt a lot of times, like in grade school, you know, where you had some, maybe you got bullied or just had some, you just weren't, you never felt like you were, and fit in anywhere and that carries on into your adult life and then you sort of put yourself out there or what you think is putting yourself out there which probably is just as simple as like a very meek like want to meet for coffee and then the person says well that's time's not gonna work for me or whatever they say or they don't even answer you back and you just get like it sends you right back to like middle school mm-hmm. And this, all this old stuff comes up and it shuts you down. And I think quite often, like, I think it's probably more common than we realize is this kind of old learned kind of hopelessness, rejection. Uh, I'm, I'm nobody likes me thing that kind of comes up out of nowhere, even when you're in like your, your (laughs) sixties and you're still struggling with that. And I think that's one of the things where, you know, and we're going to talk about rejection and all of that. Um, at some point too, but I, I think at this point it really does become important to kind of igno- at least acknowledge that that's a problem you have and that some of your emotional reaction to things, to this, these scenarios is not about the person that you're thinking about. It's about old things in your life and your past and to acknowledge that and then press through it and keep trying and don't quit. Like keep trying, keep trying, keep knocking on doors, keep making those invitations because at some point there's going to be a breakthrough. There's going to be a connection. You're going to find a, a spot and it's going to be really healing for those old things, but it takes that effort and courage at the beginning, I think. Yeah. And I think like kind of a tag on myth that I would say is that community um, doesn't come in a specific size. Like there's sometimes where community sometimes in your life where community means one other person. And sometimes where it means a group of 12, you know what I mean? Or a group of 20, Uh, 20 is usually hard to have real, real good community. in. but you know, sometimes it's, it's, it's just a one-on-one thing and that's your community at the time. Um, Community doesn't have to be a really big group. And I think that was something like I kind of, I I see at least with women, a lot of times that they have to confront when they're in, in their like, late 20s early 30s where it's like we're not in high school anymore like in high school your kind of merit is based on how many friends you have right not the depth of the friendship but the but how many and as you get older you realize i'm actually a lot better off with like deeper relationships even if that means there's fewer of them um and so the amount of invitations doesn't as matter as much as the depth of conversation and the depth of relationship. And so like putting kind of those preconceived ideas aside in that community sometimes is going to be one other person. And sometimes it'll be a bigger group. Um, And if you're in a church, then the the church as a whole is your community. And then within that community, you'll find other community uh, as well. That's going to be more um, specific, but uh, yeah, I th- we've I've seen that. Expect I think that's an expectation people tend to have. They don't know they have it. Where they they'll say, 
or feel lonely or, or like they don't have a lot, you know, good relationships when they're probably a lot of times they have one or two, but they feel like they don't have enough because they don't have a lot of people. Yeah. And if they would kind of like, they're missing the forest for the trees. Yeah. Cause right. I mean, there's some people that are like desperate for just one deep friendship. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like, wait, you have somebody that you go to holidays with, or you, ha- you know, you have somebody that you, that you see every week. Like that's really cool. Or that you like talk about what's going on in your life. I mean, if there's one person, then that's community. And so right. community doesn't have to look like a certain size. So the myth number five and the last one is that making friends should be easy. <laughs> yeah, this definitely is, um, like you said, it's it's something. <laughs> I remember when our kids were little, especially our girls, you know, our girls would come home every day and be like, so-and-so doesn't want to be my friend today. And then the next day they would be like, so-and-so wanted to be my friend today. And there's always like one girl who's like the, the one that everybody wanted to be friends with, you know? And, um, and so it starts at an early age and, um, and I think it's just something that really does follow us. Um, and I think so much of it is, is tied to, um, the fact that we're actually made for relationship. We're made for connection. We're made for community. Um, we're made for, um, for all of that. And you see that from a biblical standpoint, all throughout scripture, um, very oftentimes, in fact, it's, it's, it's noted when somebody is by themselves because it's, mm-hmm. it should be the, the abnormal thing. Um, and so like just keeping that in mind, it, the reverse of that is true, which is that, um, the enemy doesn't want us to have relationships. So a lot of times those, especially when you start getting close, those are the things that really get attacked. And those are the things that get kind of um, pushed down or that get um, where there's, it's it's just a real obvious, um, like thing that's against relationship. And so it's a, it's an easy thing. Part of it is because we carry in our own baggage. Part of it's because we carry in our history um, but then part of it is because relationships are really important. And so um, there's just being, uh, having an understanding of that is really important. Yeah. So like Peter uses the metaphor for the church being a temple made of these living stones. And each one of us is a stone that's, is alive. And I always think about that, like the relationships between the people, like if you think of a wall, which is the metaphor he's using a wall, which is made up of these stones that are put in place. Like the, the only way a wall made of stones is going to have any strength to it is if there's mortar between the joints that holds all the stones together. And that's what relationships are. It's the glue, the mortar that holds the you know, actual body of Christ together. And so it's like massively important. Like our relationships with each other are it's in a way it's everything. It, without it, there is no church. And so it's, it's hard to overemphasize it. I mean, we're making a podcast about it and I still, it's still hard to overemphasize it, but it, so it makes sense that the enemy would attack those relationships like hard, like hardcore come against and try to divide. I think it's why God hates gossip so much is gossip destroys 
those relationships. It destroys the bonds between the stones and the wall of the temple of the church. And so I, th- I think like understanding that as you're going, as you, is this not just about you? I think the idea of like, well, I'm fine by myself. <laughs> you might be, you might be just like an island unto yourself. But some people I think just don't need a lot of relationship to like personally feel fulfilled, but it's not about you. It's not about, it's about being the church. It's about being the glue and the more relationships and the deeper they are, the stronger the glue, not just in your life, but in the church itself and in the body of Christ um, in general. And so kind of understanding that going into it and knowing, okay, this is so important. It's not going to be easy. The important things don't ever come easy. And there's going to be points in your relationships where you have to fight through that. Yeah. I mean, and you see in any relationship that you've had, I mean, like a husband and wife, as an example, like Mm -hmm. this, our relationship, a lot of times the things that the times when we've gone through the toughest season or the times when we have maybe struggled in our relationship the most ends up almost always. I mean, at least for us, it ends up because we fight for it, bringing us closer together. It doesn't push us further apart. And I mean, there are relationships where that does happen. And so you do have to recognize that. But for the most part, a lot of times conflict or, um, or that kind of thing, if you respond, if you both, if you have a response that is to go towards each other and not run away, then it actually makes that bond right. um, stronger. And uh, I mean, you see in scripture, like the, the references to ironing, sharpening iron, that's in relationship to, that's in relationship to relationships and to, in the context of relationship and the two is the two is better than one. We read that in the first episode and the scripture about um, where two or more are gathered. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so it's like over and over again, it's like that it's meant for relationships. So even if you're not like the kind of person who I need a lot of people, you do need people. You do need a person at least. Yeah, um, and they need you. And they need you. And that, and that, and so putting up the walls around your, your heart, that's not going to work for very long um, because it's not how you're made. And uh, nobody is made, made completely that way. If you're that way, it's because you have walls up around your heart. Yeah. When we were talking about this kind of prepping earlier, you said uh, you don't have in every long-term relationship you have in your life, there's come a point where you've had to like really choose to fight for that relationship and press into it when you did not want to. Like it hurt to do that and it would have hurt less to, to just let it just open your hands and let it go. Um, and I think that's true for everybody that's had, that has like a meaningful relationship. You've had to fight for it at some point or it's, I mean, it's not even how meaningful can it be if you haven't had to fight for it. And so I think, so knowing, knowing that going into it, and knowing that it's going to be attacked, it's going to be attacked because you're humans. It's also going to be attacked from the outside by the devil because he knows that it's the glue, right? You have to decide, like, there's going to be warfare of this, so I'm just not, I'm not going to roll over and just take that. I'm going to fight for it. And usually that means, you know, forgiving and choosing to make another invitation and doing all the things that we're talking about. It's, it's all part of it. And you have to know that going in and this is going to be a long-term thing that I'm going to 
make a priority in my life. Yeah. And it's always, and it's always worth it. Like the fight is always worth it. 100%. And I, I, we all are going to have stories and we, we will talk about that more in the, the rejection episode, but we're all going to have stories where there was one that maybe wasn't worth it, or there was one where it didn't pan out. Um, and so you have to recognize that while we're, while we're talking about this as well, that there is a risk in this, but the risk is worth it. Um, and it always is worth it for relationships. Mm-hmm. So. Yep. All right. We're through them all. Good one, hon. You're so smart. So thanks for coming along, listening today. Um, if you want more episodes subscription links all that kind of good goodies you can go to artofcommunity.net if you're listening to this you probably already have been there but just in case that's artofcommunity.net we're on all the podcasting platforms next is episode four that's coming out next week and we're going to talk about some practical things about actually making that invite kind of go through some stuff that we've mistakes we've seen people make mistakes we've made ourselves and to help you actually um, reach out to people and make new connections so that's coming up in the next episode hope you guys are doing fantastic we love you and have a great week Mm -hmm.